Hi everyone. This is Angeline Fisher for English Breakfast. I have been getting a bit sentimental lately about the idea of cultural exchange, and that's why I've revived some of the older interviews out of the archives. And here I have for you an interview with Aladdin Kandil. Originally from Tunisia, he came to Germany in the Stuttgart area to do a social year involving youth exchange, migration, and assisting refugees. Join us to hear more about this self-starter and social worker in the field of youth empowerment. Aladdin Kandil, welcome to English Breakfast. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. We met each other at an intercultural event during the intercultural weeks called the Living Library, and during that event, the concept is that visitors are able to have a conversation with somebody, and you were a book, and I was a book, and so we didn't have much of a chance to get to know each other. Just a few words, and already. In the the quick interaction we had, I thought this would be somebody that would be interesting. Unfortunately, as a book, especially if you're being bored a lot, <laughs> right? Other people get to talk to you, but the books themselves don't really have much of an opportunity to yes. do that. So I'm very glad that you could make it. And what was also interesting is that you're from Tunisia and that you're here on a social year.、Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with how did you? Come to doing the social year here in Stuttgart. As you said, I'm from Tunisia. I was working in Tunisia for many years, and after I started, we need that、uh, I need a break, and I need、uh, to do something else in my life, and I need、uh, change also. So I was thinking about doing something outside of my country, because I needed also to have more competences, because in my work. I was bored. I learned everything, and I needed something else, something new, some challenge. So I said, "Okay, maybe abroad I will have something else, and I will meet new people. I will learn new language. I will have new challenge. I will have new competences." So I start looking on internet, Google. So I start looking. Valentino opportunities in Africa. Valentino opportunities in Asia. Valentino opportunities in Europe and America. I start posting in my Facebook wall. Do anybody know any opportunities anywhere in the world? Because I didn't limit my my research in one country on one continent. I was looking everywhere. Even I don't speak、uh, the whole world languages, but <laughs> but I was looking everywhere. Open for a challenge anywhere in the world. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, and I was applying a lot. And one project or one organization here in Stuttgart they accept me and. I am here. <laughs> What organization was that? It's called Jugendwerk der Avo in Stuttgart. It's an organization who works a lot with、uh, kids and with、uh, young people. So、uh, we organize a lot of camps, Freizeiten, the whole year, winter and summer. I helped to organize the Freizeiten, the camps before, during the Freizeiten, and after also. And we have also many projects with refugees and many intercultural projects there. So it was the thing that I was looking for since long time, especially the work in the intercultural field. Do you have experience working with youth, or what made you feel like this could be something for you? 
Yes, in fact, in Tunisia, I had my own organizations in intercultural field. So we was organizing a lot of youth exchange and I did a lot of training course, how to moderate intercultural uh, uh, workshops and intercultural youth exchange, youth exchange with uh, Ofage, Französisch Deutsche Jugendwerk or the, Fra- the German French Youth Office. And I did a lot of programs as a participant or as a leader with Erasmus Plus and, and the local also projects in Tunisia and the international projects. And that's why also here I feel really comfortable because it's almost in my field of work. But now the plus it's that I work also with refugees. So it's new challenges because as you know, when a refugee came to a new country or when immigrant came to a new country, he have other perspective, he have other challenge, he have a drama, he have problems, he have bureaucracy, he have to integrate himself to look for new opportunities and to start a new life. So it was not only a work for me, but it was also a friendship because when you talk to people, so you have this kind of relations, this kind of comfortable zone, so you can share your, your problems, your idea, your feelings. And it was like this. What attracted you to doing things in the intercultural realm? Interested in this cross-cultural exchange? In fact, first I was not at all interested. Uh, I was uh, studying like everybody else, computer science, just going to my university, finish my school and go back home. But uh, we had a revolution in Tunisia six years ago and I started to think about it and I started to see people reactions and people in Tunisia through the social media and through the media was really different from what I thought about. To be honest, I thought that people in my country were tolerant, were open mind, but it was not the truth. People are not very tolerant, are not very open mind. They don't accept really the differences between people. And I started to think to do something, to change it, to... And I started to something really, really small. It's like just to create my organizations and to do youth exchange between young Tunisians and people from Europa and the Arab countries. So it's just like uh, to meet other people for one week in Tunisia or abroad and to talk about any tema, food, sport, democracy, women rights, human rights. So it's just to share your idea with people from different backgrounds, from different cultures, from different religions, from different colors. And it was really amazing because imagine yourself in a room with 30 or 30 people from everywhere in the world, just sharing good moments, exchanging ideas and food also and music and dance and uh, moments and feelings. And it starts like this. We start like doing this kind of projects and uh, sharing the idea to push people to discover other culture, to see other people, to talk to other people, because young people in my country, they they cannot travel a lot because of uh, financial problems. And we don't have the culture also to travel a lot or to discover other people because people in general, they are comfortable with what they have, with their comfort zone. So nothing will push them to discover other stuff. So we started to look into people, to push them to think a bit, to talk a bit about other subjects that they didn't talk about before. Could you give me an example of how you saw that there was this need to create spaces for communication between cultures? What were some of the examples that made you feel like 
okay, I see that there's a need, there's something going on that maybe seems not as positive as I would like. Yeah, you know now that uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., they are the only space for young people to express themselves. In this space, I didn't see what I expected to see. I expected to see some people who share tolerance values, people who share mutual respect values at least. But I saw only young people, especially, who share hate, who share uh, non-acceptance, who share uh, extremist ideas, left or the rights, on both sides. And that's what pushed me to say to myself also, what's happening in this world? What's wrong? There is something wrong here. This is not how to be. That's why I thought that at least talk about this kind of problems is the first step to resolve them maybe. Because in our countries, talking is also forbidden. It's also forbidden. So why not just talk about it? Because to act first, it's really difficult. So you have at least to talk about it, hear other opinions, give your opinions, share your ideas. And after we will act, let's just start with the church. Now, it seems like a big project. Mm -hmm. As you said, getting people from 30 different cultures together, also this cross-cultural exchange. What was the first thing that you did to make that happen? The first thing is how to create an organization. And in Tunisia, now it's easy to do it. You need just some people and you go to the the administrative office and you can create your own organization from 16 years old. So like an NGO? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. A non-governmental organization. And after you have to look for also how you can finance this kind of projects. There is a lot of programs like Erasmus Plus, Ofash, and uh, other many organizations who can help and fund this kind of projects. Google is your friend. It seems like you're an entrepreneur in that you just started an organization from the bottom up, doing research on your own, bringing yeah. people together. Yes, but uh, an entrepreneur, his aim is to get money. And for me, it was at first only for free. I didn't look for money or like to think about a job or something, but I just wanted to make a change. Just to see, just to hear people what they think about such subject or about an idea. It was only my idea first. I don't think that I am an entrepreneur, at least not yet. (laughs) During these meetups, did you have guest speakers? What was the structure of it? Or it's just informal get-togethers? In fact, it was like, uh, for example, uh, it's during a week. And uh, during this week, we have a lot of workshops and we have a lot of visits. For example, we visit the local authorities to see how they react or how they do with the subject that we talk about. For example, Our youth exchange, it's about youth participations in elections or in politics. So we go to visit local NGOs to see what they do to encourage young people to participate in political life. And also we do some visits with local authorities, ministers, representatives of parliament. And uh, we just see how young people live in this country and we can share ideas with other countries because... Maybe, for example, if we had a youth exchange with German youth, but they have already democracy since many years, so they can inspire Tunisian youth, how they pass through and how they live now and what's the consequence now, so they can share their, their idea together. So it was like this, like workshops about uh, many themas with many people 
and with people also who have the authority. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. And from this, then you decided you are going to go abroad and come here. Yes. But this organization still exists. Yeah, this organization still exists. And now it's a bigger organization because they have a new filial in Italy and in Morocco and soon in France. So it's like we have our representative also in, in other countries. Yeah, and uh, as you said, now I am in Germany because I wanted really to develop my competences because I felt that uh, I need an international experience to learn new things. What was something that surprised you when you came to Germany? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe a cultural difference or something that you just didn't expect? Yeah, Germany is very different from Tunisia, of course. There is not much common points. My stereotypes about Germany, it was that German people are really punctual. But I didn't find this punctuality here. <laughs> okay. You're also dealing with you, so... Yeah. <laughs> yes, but I really like the warm people here because people were really helpful, talkative, and really open mind. I didn't think, because also one of my stereotypes is that German people are cold people, but it's not true at all. Because I think that Germans, they are really, really warm people, especially if you know them, if they open their personal life door, so you will really discover another person inside. Yeah. Since I came, I didn't feel different or people try to avoid me at all. In the stations, for example, people talk to me, ask for help. Yeah. What about the structure? We can see here that uh, there's a lot of technology everywhere. For example, in my country, if you buy a ticket for a train, so you deal with the person who will buy you a ticket, but here everything is automatic. Everywhere in the stations, to wash your car, to buy your ticket, to have a coffee <laughs> or to go in a restaurant, you just order uh, in a machine or, or online and you will get everything. About the food, the food is very, very different. But I like a lot the, the Schwabish food. So I cook now Kese Spitzle alone. I eat Maltaschen. Yesterday I had Maltaschen <laughs> for my dinner. Yeah, before coming here, I was afraid from the food, but I adapt myself really quickly. And what are some of the typical Tunisian foods that you enjoy in Tunisia? I miss a lot our traditional dish, couscous. We call it couscousy. So I miss a lot. I miss a lot also my, my mother food. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, the way your mother cooks. I mean, yeah. it's home. I miss also the beach because uh, my city is on the beach. Oh. Yeah. I was born in uh, Nabil. It's a coast area city, touristic city. So I miss the beach also, the blue color everywhere. But here also I like the green color because I was, especially now when spring come and summer, I was really surprised. By the parks where the green color is everywhere. You can easily go out and lay down on the grass and enjoy the sun. Wonderful. Yeah. You also mentioned the Arab Spring, mm -hmm. right? Being a big part of what has gone on in Tunisia and what yeah. is actually continuing there in some ways. Describe how your experience was with that and what you think some of the developments that have come out of that in the Tunisian example. In fact, the most uh, exciting about the Arab Spring, my experience, it was mostly digital experience. So I was sharing my thoughts on social media, sharing videos, sharing what happened, because in that moment, the media was controlled by the ex-regime. So they were not sharing the truth. They were not sharing what's really happened in the streets. 
they were not sharing what's really people feel. So I tried to share the truth in social media and also a lot of friends do it. In this moment, it was really, really dangerous because people who are against the system, they were straight to go to the jail. So uh, first it was like uh, digital activism. After it was participating in the organizing the elections, having your own organization, being in the streets also because there's a lot of manifestations calling for changing the laws, lobbying, especially about the age to be elected in the parliament or as a president. Paint a picture of how it was before then and then this movement. So Aladdin before the Arab Spring is not like Aladdin after the Arab Spring. Before the Arab Spring, I was just a normal young Tunisian living in Africa and part also of the Middle East countries, the Arabic countries, who just go to his university, do his own tasks and go back home. You were aware that there were certain things that you weren't able to say or that there were risks of doing certain things. Yeah, you are aware that there is a lot of risk. I was aware that if you talk about something, you can be in danger. Your family can be in danger. So give me an example of what would be, because we're free radio, right? Yeah. We can say anything we want here. We can so say what, also anything now in Tunisia, but we want. Yeah. What would be an example of something that you wouldn't have been able to say before? For example, before, I cannot critic the decision of a president, or I cannot critic the decision of one minister, or uh, I cannot say my opinion about anything can happen in my country. There is a law that will pass in the parliament. I cannot say anything because it was forbidden. But now if there is a law that I'm not agree with. I can say it. I can go to the street and say, no, this law cannot pass. This law cannot be for the good of the people. This law is only for the good of rich person. I can write it on Facebook. I can go in the streets. I can go in front of the parliament. I can go in front of the prime minister ministry and just scream on the street and have my flyers and my band roll and, and just say, it. no, I don't want this role to pass in the parliament. So it's maybe a really small thing, but we really feel it because now we feel that we are part of a change. Now we are part of a process because now we are building our new country. We are building our new laws. It's really, really slow. It takes a long time, but it will happen. Yeah, we still have hope. Change can happen slowly, but will happen one day. I love that. You feel there's an optimistic emotion in the... Yes people. and no, because sometimes you feel that you're just fed up. You are just tired because you are doing everything for free. You go to the streets, you scream, you, you share your ideas on Facebook, you try to do the change. But there is a big wave against you. Everybody's against you. So sometimes you just say, I'm tired, I'm done. But after some days, some moments, maybe some months, you go back again. It's my country. It's for me. It's my future. It's my, it's my children's future. And I have to make the change there. So the hope is always again here. Sometimes it's dark, but the most of the time there is light. Great message. Yeah, love it. <laughs> and especially now, after six years, it's true that... Uh, a lot of things changed in Tunisia, but also we have a lot of things to do. A lot of things about human rights, a lot of things about women's rights, a lot of things about minority rights in Tunisia, but we have to change them because for the politicians, the priority now is economic and terrorism. They don't even care about human rights. But for me, everything has to be in parallel. Everything has to be in the same time. There's a new president. How long has he been in power? 
he's in power since three years. Uh, he's not my favorite uh, candidate, to be honest. <laughs> he don't represent me at all. But I'm happy because he is our first elected president. Not the one that I love it to be elected, but at least the elections were without corruption, transparent elections, and I think the first transparent elections in the Arab world, and it's a proud for us. Yeah, and if the people are accepting him and accepting the democratic process, even mm-hmm. though it might not be your personal mm-hmm. flavor, yeah. that's a step in uh-huh. that direction. Yeah. So, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. You can yeah. celebrate. That <laughs> doesn't mean that the work's not finished. Maybe right? we'll celebrate next elections when a better candidate will be in the president. Maybe yeah. we'll celebrate better. <laughs> yeah. Now there's also experience of campaigning and now yeah. Yeah, yeah, of building course. on that experience. Yeah, of course. And uh, it's really good feeling because in these elections I was working in the office of the elections as a member and uh, it was my first time working there and I was so excited because the office desk it was open at seven or eight and people were on the line waiting to vote since six morning and you are just tired and exhausted but more people came and came and vote it's the first time i see this happen in my country or in the arab world that people go themselves to the elections office and vote and feel that they will choose their future president or they will choose their future representative of the parliament It was a moment that uh, everyone waited for it since long time ago. What was the per- participation rate? Any ideas? I don't have an idea about the total participation rate, but I remember, but I know that the participation of young people were not that much. It was about 10% of people who voted was young people. And uh, this is really a shame because the revolution was made by young people. Because young people were in the street, young people went out, young people are dead during the manifestations. And uh, young people was yelling in the streets that they need democracy, that they need freedom, that they need work, that they need dignity. And I think that not a lot of young people went to vote because they lost their trust to the political men or the local authorities. But I think if you have this right to vote, you have mm. to use it, even if you're choosing the less worse scenario. Right? Yeah. But I think that this is a phenomenon across the world. Yeah. Where we're seeing low young people turnout. Yeah. And then you see these negative ramifications that come out of it. And in some of these countries, Brexit, for instance, like England, mm-hmm. you have a lot of older people. Mm-hmm. So often yeah. you have tyranny of the majority anyways through yeah. the demographics. And so you really have to activate these young people for there to be this positive change for them. Yeah, especially that young people, they are the majority in our Arab countries. Power to change. This is because there are so many young people to be the progressive change in the world. Yes, I say always that our rights are not given. You can to take your rights even by force. It has always been that way. Yes, because old people, they will not let you just be in the position of control. They will not just let you be a minister or someone who have real force. So you have to take it. You have to go to the media and talk about your problems. You have to go to the media and tell what should be done. You have to go to the media and share your ideas at least. Because I think that the political system now, especially in Tunisia, they don't have new ideas that they can affect 
the new area or, or our new century or they cannot go in the same line with what young people think about. Because I think that they had already the chance to be in the power years and years and they didn't succeed. They didn't do anything. They just made the country going years ago back. So I think that it's time that young people have the control. It's time that young people tell what they want to do and do it also. To take action, we need to have room to be able to talk about things, to be able to get the ideas, to work collectively. That is not enough. Yeah. yeah. Of course, first of all, we, you have to change mm-hmm. the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there needs to be a momentum. And that will happen through actions. Mm-hmm. Look at history. It's been like that. You have a certain system in place where some people have power and others don't have as much power. Those that are in power might not even realize it. And it's very difficult for them to give it up. The status quo, how things have always been. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at apartheid, you know, there's so many examples in history. The women's right to vote. It's not that the men said, oh, you know what? I think it's a good idea if, if you vote. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's not how it happened. The people had to come and rise up and say, we want this. And then they weren't given it. Y- yeah. And then yeah. we said, no, we really want this. And then there has to be some kind of actions. You have to have some kind of movement. Through this, then there's changing of the minds and changing of the perspectives. Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, there has to be different aspects, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that are happening simultaneously. You have to have room for discussion. Then you have to have different artists or activists, different things yeah. going on simultaneously. But it's very rare that things are just given. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people and a lot of young people, they think that they cannot do it. But not they can do it. We can see as the new president of France, he's a young man, new ideas, new program, new blood. I think that he will make a change. Also the prime minister of, of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so young people can do it. Young people can control the biggest countries in the world. Young people can do the change because they know what they need. And if they know it, they can change it. They can do it. I think we as individuals, I know I myself, sometimes we're looking for role models. We need role mm-hmm. models. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at the biographies of your role models, everybody is just a person. Yeah. They were just an individual. Yeah. So you have so to it's look in with us. Yeah, yeah. So you have to look inside yourself because the change is start from yourself. And if you change yourself, you will change your community. And if you change your community, you can change everything after because it starts from yourself. If you believe in self, if you believe that you want something and you have to do it and you do it. So after you can do anything. I know that it's not that easy, but it's possible because nothing is impossible. Then you enjoy it even more if it's not easy. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, sometimes it doesn't always have to be quite so hard. But then when you get a reward, sometimes it's a surprise because you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. Yeah. You need to have this perseverance. And then at some point there's a change. You don't know when it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, especially now in our new political geo situation, everything can change anytime. We see now in, in just a few years everything has changed, the political power changed, a new political man on the control, different orientations, problems also can change and can affect. We see the last few days 
some problems in the Gulf countries that they will affect the future of the whole world. A few years ago, the Arab Spring, he changed the vision and the political system of many countries. So the change can happen anytime. This change is an opportunity also to go with it, to manage it also, to see it as an opportunity and not as a fear, as a difference, as a non-comfort zone. Because I think a new blood, it's always important to have a new vision, to have a new objective, to have a new life, to have a new experience, to have a new challenges. It's not only on the work field or on the political system, it's, it's also on the personal way. So even you as an individual, as a person, you can change your mentality, you can change your ideas, you can change your way of view of some subjects. And you can also affect other people and you can also share it with other people and you can also bring other people with you in your idea. You can also do movement with it and you can do a real impact in your community and your local community. Very exciting. I love that idea of developing, yeah. progressing and developing. Mm -hmm. And that always happens through growth mm -hmm. and change. And now you bring this energy to us, which is so nice. <laughs> Because I think often we think of people just because of the way the system is here also doing a year abroad. Germans mm -hmm. often they'll take a year off and then they'll do some kind of social mm -hmm. work, sometimes here locally or in other countries. And now you're coming from Tunisia, mm -hmm. bringing this energy, which I love, to us and working with youth. Tell us a bit more about some of the different projects you're involved with and how your experience has been so far. Yeah. In fact, I work uh, with a lot of projects. One of them is called Act of Culture, and it's a project aims just to bring people from different backgrounds and, and different religions. People they meet, they are from Deutschland, from everywhere from the world. They are refugees also, and we just meet and talk. We organize this event twice a month. We go to cinema together, we go to theater together, we organize national events, national uh, nights. For example, it was like an Egyptian night, a Tunisian night, Bulgarian night, Canadian night. And then these nights, you can discover other language, other culture, other country, other music and other food. Uh, for example, next week, we will organize a breakfast together in Stuttgart in front of opera. Just everyone, he will bring his own food and everyone will try to fast the whole day. And uh, after we will meet at the breakfast time and we will share our experience and we will share the food together and we will eat together. So we will do this kind of events uh, just to bring people together and to talk from different backgrounds and different nationalities. The second project that I am included now, it's called Aki Grancelos. And uh, it's about work with refugee kids. So we go to the refugee houses, Geflüchtensheim, once a week. And we do activities with kinder. Different activities, depending to the weather or depending to the tema. We go to theater also together with, with refugee kids. Now we have a new project called Stam Tam. And it's several theater workshops with kids to learn them uh, the techniques of workshops in an intercultural and an informal way. Also, as I said first, we do a lot of camps. I help during the camps, before and after the camps. You this is the most busy. important. Yeah. <laughs> How many people are in your team? 12 person working full time. Oh. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So it's like uh, daily work every day. 
And uh, I'm really busy. And my first present when I came to, to Germany, it was a calendar. <laughs> because I have always meetings, always something to do. Also after the work, because I go also to meet other people. I had a lot of German friends and international friends. So like we have our uh, ritual to go to the park or every Monday to go to the cinema or just to cook uh, every time in one in one friend place and we share the food together. So it's your work, but also lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It's really an intercultural work and lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Just like I wanted to be. Because we meet a lot, lot of people, even in my place where I live. It's like a house for migrants. So in my floor, there is people from Hungary, from Ukraine and from Georgia. And there is a lot, a lot, a lot of other nationalities. And yeah. in the team that you have, is it also international or are you the, the one migrant in the, in the uh, team? The team, uh, what I have, most of it from Germany, but also there is other workers, but they have other backgrounds, like uh, European backgrounds. And the teams, me, another volunteer from Hungary, and also another volunteer from Syria. Fun. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of uh, fun. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of work, but yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> so you never feel bored there. Yeah. You have always something to do. Always. The session that you're doing, it's one year then. Yeah. It's for one year. It's when we met in October. I came in October. It's until September. And uh, the time, it's really, really fast. Now I, I have only four months more. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how the eight months are already gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you get busy and you're yeah. learning so much. And yeah, so you're going to continue with this. But what are your plans after this? What are, what are your thoughts? Okay, the big question, This is the right? most difficult question. <laughs> to be honest, I am open to any opportunities in the whole world. I didn't really start to look, but I have to look soon in opportunities in Tunisia, in Germany, or in everywhere in the world. So... It will be most probably looking for another volunteer experience or for a work, maybe also studies, because I'm really interested to, to study in international field and in like political stuff and, and cultural stuff. So I don't have really a clear idea about what I will do after September, but I have to think about it soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your idea is to do some continue in this intercultural area. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It's my future, I think, to work in the intercultural field. And that's why my future studies or work or volunteering, it will be also related in intercultural field. Because I think now that it's part of me. I was not that uh, intercultural person before, but now I think that uh, I am more able to adapt in a new countries, new culture. And I really want to share it with other people to live what I lived here because uh, I came to a country in another continent, another language, other culture, other food. So it was difficult for me first, a bit, but now I can at least communicate in a new language, in the German language. I didn't study a lot. I, I did only the first level, but at my work, all my colleagues, they speak only Deutsch with me. So I felt the stress and I felt obliged also to, to talk, to speak in Deutsch. Even when I was speaking in English, they was always answering me in the German language. So sometimes the pressure can change you a lot and you can come out with a lot of other things that you never expected. That's why I ask people, just go out of your comfort zone. If you don't feel okay with your life, just try a new experience. Uh, and you don't feel comfortable in your work, 
I will not say to quit it, but at least look for another opportunities. Don't just sit there in your desk and wait for somebody else ask you to go with him or, or ask you for a new opportunity. Just create your own opportunities. What's what I ask people to do? Just look on Google, ask your friends, look in yourself, define what you want to do and just do it because life is really, really short and we have to enjoy it. Well, I think those are great words to end our talk on. I want to thank you so much for coming thank by you. today and especially given your very busy schedule. If somebody would like to find out more information about some of the projects that you're involved in, how can they best do that? Okay, my project that I'm involved with is called European Volunteering Service. In English, is Europäischer Freiwilligendienst. So you can do it uh, in, in, in whole Europa and the North African countries and Middle East and some Asian countries, I think. So just write uh, EVS, European Volunteering Service, and you will find a website that they contain most of the projects and you can apply for these projects. These projects are, like I said, almost in, in whole Europa in the oil field, democracy, environment, uh, sport, uh, human rights, uh, uh, work with kids, and you can just uh, read the projects that fits to you and, uh, and apply for them. And uh, I recommend it so much because it was really, really a life change experience for me. And I think it's one of the most best years in my world and my life. Because now I'm speaking in German radio, so there is a project organized by Stuttgart City. It's called Local Empowerment. You can look on it on the website www.interchangeev.de. So you will find uh, an application form. It's a youth exchange project between Tunisian youth and uh, German youth. And the purpose is to build young people capacities to write projects, to learn in an uh, intercultural way and to be really a good experience. Also from this place, I call people if they have time and uh, if they are near to Stuttgart because we need volunteers in our project, Agi Grenzelos. It's only one time a week and we go to refugee camps to do activities with kids. If you have any question, you can uh, visit our Facebook page, Jugendwerk der Avo Wittenberg or our website, jugendwerk24.de uh, and you will find there our email and our uh, uh, and our phone uh, number. Aladin Kandil, thank you so much for coming today on English Breakfast. Thank you for your invitation. It was really a pleasure and an honor for me to meet you again and uh, to share my experience here at English Breakfast. If there's anything you'd like to say to the world, you, you can. I will just say to youth in Tunisia that you have to stand up for your rights. And uh, I think that Tunisia needs me and I will, I believe that I will go back there soon, really, really soon, because a lot of change is needed in Tunisia. It's our role to do it. Tunisian young people stay on the streets. You are doing the right thing. And uh, I support all the manifestations. They are now in Tunisia. Just stand up. Aladdin Kandil had a special message he wanted to send out in Tunis to youth of Tunisia. نحب نقول للتوانسة الكل اللي اللي تويكا في الشارع اللي تويكا قاعدين ينظلوا على حقوقهم اللي اللي هما من بنزرت 
حتكشي البنجردين نحب نقول لهم اقعدوا في الشارع على خاطر تلاويكا الحل هو كان الشارع وانا راني معاكم وراني باش نرجع قريب ان شاء الله لتونس وباش نكون زاد معاكم في الشارع ومناش مسامحين I want to also say thank you to Stuttgart especially because I learned a lot this last few months from Germany and from German people and from the German culture and I think that when I will go back my country I will go back more positive with uh, more competences and uh, with more new ideas that I hope that I will share them with people in my homeland Tunisia. That ends our program today with Aladdin Kandil from Tunisia doing intercultural youth work. If you would like to find out more details about our programming, please look to the show notes and follow the links. This is Angeline Fisher signing off for English Breakfast, wishing you the very best wherever you may be. Until the next time. <laughs>